Hello and welcome to episode 738 of The Sleeper in the Bust. It is Friday the 13th, the month is September, and these are coming out out of order. Uh, by design, there's going to be a double pod today, this one coming first, and then 737 coming after that uh, later this evening, the fireside chat. And it wasn't totally by design. If I had, if I had thought a little bit more uh, thoroughly, I would have said, okay, Nick, let's call it this number, and I'm going to do my other one. Before that, but I wasn't really 100% sure on the timing, so they're going to come out out of order. It's not a big deal. They're both coming out today. You're getting a twofer for the weekend, and I am going to go over the weekend slate, uh, or excuse me, over the upcoming slate, not the weekend. The upcoming slate for next week is what I meant to say, covering the two-start guys, the uh, the righty-lefty splits of teams, and who that could help possibly. So let's just dive into it because we got 30 teams to go through and I'm a little bit tight on time. So let's just start with Arizona. And of course, this is projected. Things can change. Keep an eye on on news and, uh, you know, obviously double check things. But this is what I've got so far. Robbie Ray getting a two start. Miami at San Diego. He's kind of an automatic start. He has been struggling of late. I still don't think you can take him out and you certainly can't for a Miami at San Diego two step here. They have six games, two against lefties. Uh, only two against lefties should help for Josh Rojas' playing time. He's not been great against righties, but getting him in the lineup will certainly help. It does hurt Wilmer Flores a little bit. 10-23 OPS against lefties. Uh, he might not play as often with uh, with four games against right-handers. Going to Atlanta, they have six games as well. Dallas Keuchel slated for the two-step against Philly and San Francisco at home. I think he's kind of an automatic start right now, too. I guess there could be a devastating enough two-step where you wouldn't start him but that's not going to come into play anymore because he's not going to get another two-step like this is this is pretty much it I don't think they're I don't think the schedule would break to where he could get another one so you're just riding it the the rest of the way out here with Keiko. he's he's had a really solid season whips a little high at 130 but a 335 ERA uh seven and a half strikeouts is actually about a strikeout boost up from last year on his per nines uh, their breakdown is three and three, so three lefties, three righties. No, nothing to really play there. Uh, just play your guys as you see fit. Going to Baltimore, they have two two-start guys, and it is a little bit different on the schedule the way things work. So I think the Monday game is a makeup game, and John Means is going to go to Detroit and then get Seattle. You'll love that. He's somebody I've been starting pretty regularly anyway. I even started him against the Dodgers after their clinch day. Uh, I was considering doing it even without that. That added a little bonus of maybe they're a little bit not as focused after clinching. They're not as great against lefties anyway. I went ahead and started means. It worked out. Bundy gets Toronto, Seattle. And that's still pretty decent. Um, you know, he's one of those. He's definitely a spot start type, Dylan Bundy is. He's not somebody that you're using very regularly. This is not a great line up here uh, for two start in fact hang on i actually messed up i was i i ranked the two start guys and uh i forgot to include bunny i ranked the two start guys who could be available so like john means dallas keichel robbie ray they're not they're not in that i don't think that they're going to be available enough to really get ranked there so uh yeah bundy is a top 10 guy of those who could be available but that's of those who could be available so that's that's still pretty low let your situation dictate that because that one's a tough one because uh, he could really blow you up. Can you take the volatility? Can you take a massive hit if Bundy doesn't go well? If not, you can't use him. They have a uh, seven-game set, as I mentioned, four 
against lefties. That really benefits a few guys on their team. Hanser Alberto is hitting 416 with a 997 OPS against lefties. Reynaldo Nunez kills lefties. He's been pretty good against righties this year to, to sustain a quality season. He's, he's pacing for a 30 homer season. In fact, he only needs one more, so he should get it uh, pretty easily. I think he'll hit one more homer, and I think it'll be next week with all those lefties on the slate. And Pedro Severino has done his best work against lefties. So there's three guys there that you could maximize because they do have four lefties on the slate in Baltimore. Or for Baltimore, I shouldn't say that because that, that implies that all their games are at home. But actually, all but the Detroit game is. So actually, I didn't misspeak there. Uh, Nate Eovaldi is the two-start for Boston, San Francisco, and at Tampa Bay. That's not too bad of an outlook. He's been pitching a bit better of late. Volume is going to be tough. They're, they're still kind of keeping him tight with the innings and pitch counts. But uh, I could see I could see rolling this out. This isn't a terrible uh, setup here. You love San Francisco. Um, and then at Tampa Bay, that's not overly difficult. They have a six-game slate, two lefties. I don't really think they're even running any sort of platoon situations that you could take advantage of anyway. Let's move over to the Cubs. They have Hamels and Darvish both getting Cincinnati and St. Louis at home. Automatic starts anyway. Darvish has been on fire. Uh, Hamels has been up and down, but I think you're still just putting him in your lineup pretty easily here uh, with two home starts. And uh, they have seven games, zero against lefties. So that helps Schwarber and Hayward. They're both, uh, they should both be playing pretty much every day. They might get a, a random off day here and there. That's just, you know, a Joe Madden kind of thing. But uh, it'd be nice to see Schwarber get at least six games. You know, he's got, um, hang on, I want to pull it up and be accurate. I want to say he has like 35 homers, though. Yeah, he has 35 homers. That kind of snuck up on me. I had not really been fully dialed in on what Schwarber's doing. And he bats second a lot. And he actually started against the last lefty that they had. Uh, now, they don't have any this week, but Schwarber's been playing every day. He bats second or third when it's against righties. And they get seven righties next week. So you love that for Schwarber. Jason Hayward, n you're not as geeked, but... If you need that playing time, he will play. Going out to Cincinnati, they have John. Uh, excuse me, they have Sonny Gray going. He's an automatic. He gets at the Cubs, home to the Mets. They have a six game, six gamer that's split three and three. Nothing to really play there. Um, the only thing you might play is if um, if you have the luxury of kind of spot starting Josh Van Meter. They get two of the lefties on the first half of the week. We talk about this if you're in an NFBC league where you can do the uh, Monday through Thursday and then Friday through Saturday. Two of the three lefties are at the beginning of the week against the Cubs, Hamels and Lester. So maybe somebody like Van Meter you could pull out uh, of your lineup and then get him in for the weekend. Not everybody has that luxury, I understand. So uh, play that as you can. If you got to play him all week, I still would. But uh, if you can manipulate that, that'd be good for Josh Van Meter. Let's go out to Cleveland. Zach Plesak gets Detroit and Philly. You love the Detroit start. The Philly one is, is tough, but it's at home, so you like that. It's a good setup for Plesak. He's definitely a two-start to consider. He is on the wire in some shallower leagues. Deeper leagues, he's pretty much, he's pretty much rostered, though, uh, because despite a 505 FIP, he does have a 364 ERA, and, and the results are going to play. And so there is some prob probably some trepidation with folks um, starting him here and there. But he's coming off of a shutout as well at the Angels. So you love that. That was after 10 earned in 10 innings over his last two starts. So the volatility's been there for Plesak, but you love this setup here with Detroit and Philly. They have a six-game setup, set setup with three and three. In fact, so does Colorado 
and the White Sox. Uh, four teams in a row. Cincy, Cleveland, Colorado, and the White Sox all have the 3-3. Three and three. So nothing to really play on the platoons there. Colorado uh, has Senzatella. doesn't matter. He does have the Mets and at the Dodgers. They have three home games against the Mets and then travel out to L.A. You love getting in your Rockies all, all that you can against the Mets at home. But then you you kind of want to bench some of them. Not the studs. You know, you got to ride out the studs even on the road. But some of your guys that you might spot start like a Rymel Tapia, um, maybe like a Sam Hilliard. Um, I think like Story, Story Blackman, Arenado, duh. But like McMahon, Murphy, I don't even know that I'm taking them out on the road. I know Murphy. If you're if you're in a league where you're playing Murphy anyway, then you're playing him on the road. That that's kind of the the deal there. The White Sox they have uh, Reynaldo Lopez going for two. Uh, I'm sure he'll have one excellent start and one soul crushing one, and it'll probably be stupidly reversed where he'll throw a ten inning one hitter in Minnesota for no reason, and then the Tigers will put seven on him because that's cool. Um, but as frustrating as Reynaldo Lopez is, he's still going to rate relatively high on the list of, of potential streamers here. And I know it's difficult, but he has a Detroit start. And anytime you get a Detroit start, that's that's huge. So it, he is going to be up there a good bit. I already mentioned that there are three and three. Start any of your White Sox that you can against the Tigers, of course, for that weekend set. So again, if you can manipulate where you can do weekend starters, you might spot a few extra White Sox there against the Tigers. Tigers are next. They do have a seven-game setup. Matthew Boyd is the only one slated to get two because of the way they're running, uh, the way they're running things with more of a six-man rotation. Boyd goes to Cleveland and gets the White Sox. I still think you got to start him right now. I know it's been absolutely difficult to watch him go out there and routinely give up 42 homers a game. Strikeouts are too plentiful. It's a two-start week. You know, we, we have the litmus test of if you can't start a guy in a two-start week, cut him. I mean, at this point, you can be more, uh, you can be tighter with something like that. You don't have to do that because you're just playing week to week anyway. I don't know, man. I, I I would understand if you didn't start him and actually just cut Matthew Boyd. I, I would. I would understand it. But even if you just look at a tight five-game set that he's had recently, where he has a 534 ERA because Minnesota walloped him twice. But then the other two, the other three are, are good starts, two quality starts, and then a decent one, five innings, two earned against the, the Yankees. Even in that little run there, it's 30 and a third with 36 strikeouts against 12 walks. It's all the homers. So if you can help it where you can sit Boyd at Cleveland and start him against the White Sox, I would do that. If you have to do both, Again, I mean, I'm sorry to fence it. It really depends on your volatility for the ratios. Can you take an ERA beating? Or are you in a situation where you are doing all right in the ratios and you're really chasing strikeouts? Uh, Then Boyd becomes an easier start. I understand that. But that one is really what can your gut handle? He's tough. As far as their setup, it's a seven-game set with only one lefty. It doesn't matter. You're not starting any of those guys. Drew Verhagen is an interesting primary starter against the White Sox on Friday the 20th. Uh, it's, this is really a deeper league play and and something that I've mentioned the past couple weeks. The head-to-head leagues where you have a starts limit and you can steal those four to five inning outings that are, are basically free. Now, Verhagen is not some stud, but he has been pitching well of late. And so I do think it'd be nice to, uh, to get that going. Over his last, uh, let's see here. 
Since the start of August, over his last 33 and two-thirds, he has a 267 ERA with 32 strikeouts and five walks. And all but two of those are middles, where he came in in the fourth and went until the eighth, uh, seventh or eighth inning. So I do like Verhagen there. I, honestly, I, I would like him maybe a little bit anywhere where you're chasing some pitching help. Um, it doesn't have to be that that head-to-head setup where you're just doing the uh, the, the stealing a, a faux start type of deal. I think Verhagen's kind of interesting here down the line, or down the stretch, I should say. Uh, going to Houston, they have Verlander, duh, you're starting him. They only have a five-game slate, but I don't think you can sit any of their studs, and I don't know that they really have anybody that you're spotting. I mean, if you're in a situation where maybe you're spotting like a Toro or Kyle Tucker's finally up, maybe that you go for a guy who has six or seven games since they've only got the five-pack, but it is against Texas and L.A., none of which are, are quality pitchers. They do have three lefties, so that does make Tucker a little bit less appealing too because he is a lefty. So maybe <sighs> Toro being a switch hitter, I guess, would be more appealing there. I'm trying to see if there's anybody else you can maybe spot. I don't know, you crazy deep leaguers like a Marisnik, but uh, I don't want to spend too much time on that. Let's be honest, there's not much going on there. Let's go to KC. They have two guys double starting you don't want any of them you'd love to stack against them to be honest it's glenn sparkman and jorge lopez uh they go to oakland and to minnesota that's going to be tough for both of them and uh but they do have a seven game setup with just two lefties now that does favor some of their left the, the lefty heavy lineup that could be platooned which is ryan o'hearn brett phillips nicky lopez even Mybris Valoria, their catcher, if you're in a two-catcher league where you're really scraping for catcher, Valoria should get more of the starts uh, there. That's There you go. You you crazy deep leaguers there. I just mentioned Mybris Valoria for you, and uh, that's about as deep as it gets. Ryan O'Hearn, somebody I really liked for a breakout this year, did not come to fruition at all. He's been a nightmare, but he is having a little bit of a late season flourish here, just enough to get me back on. I mean, he'll be so free next year, it won't even matter. But over his last uh, 28 days, six homers and an eight, 878 OPS. So if you are speculating on some deep league po- power, O'Hearn could be your guy there. Um, let's see, moving on to LA, the Angels first. Suarez, you can't get a worse two-step in the AL. Like, it just can't happen. He goes to the Yankees and to Houston. Pass a billion percent. I would rather start Senzatella in <laughs> with the Colorado. No, maybe not, but that's that's brutal for Suarez. Um, they have six games. They're three and three, three lefties, three righties, but it's at the Yankees, at Houston. That's tough. I mean, obviously, you need Trout back in the lineup if you can get him. Otani's out now. I don't know. Like I'm, I'm sitting my guys here that are that are kind of on the fence. The only guys that I might start outside of Trout, obviously, uh, again, assuming he's healthy, maybe Upton, but everybody else I'm looking for a replacement for. If you're relying on them in, in one of your deeper leagues, I'm looking to get out and you know replace my Brian Goodwin or my David Fletcher. Like This is a tough week, so get somebody else. They're interchangeable pieces anyway, and maybe not even Upton. I didn't realize how horrible he's been this year. So, uh, excuse me, uh, caught some wind there, and uh, I'm going to have to take a drink. But I'm going to say Trout only. Trout only for the Angels. That's a brutal setup. Let's go out to the other L.A., the Dodgers. They have a five-game slate, 
so nobody's getting a two-step. They're going to go Stripling with Maeda primary, May with Gonsolin primary, Kershaw, Ryu, and Bueller. By the way, the Maeda and Gonsolin primaries are both intriguing, uh, even better than Verhagen. They're on a good team. They, they are against Tampa Bay, but they're both pitching very well. And uh, they have only one lefty. Are they doing anything platoon-wise? That I mean, it's a bummer that they only get five games. That's an elite team. That's two elite teams, Houston and the Dodgers, that only get five games this week in a playoff week or obviously down the stretch for a roto chase. That's tough because you're just losing that extra game or two um, that you can get from, from your studs. I don't really see anything that you – well, uh, Jock Peterson, I guess, is going to go four for the five games, but – that's kind of a normal week for him because even on like a six, if they have two lefties, you know, Gavin Lux, whatever, you know, if, you, if you're using him, you're using him. Matt Beattie uh, will only have the one lefty, so that does help a little bit, some of you deeper leagues. Uh, let's move over to Miami. They have Pablo Lopez going at Arizona and home to Washington. You know, he's shown some things this year. He's definitely going to be a dollar guy next year that I'm intrigued by. But down the stretch here, I'm a little bit nervous. It, we haven't really seen him get back on track yet since he's returned. He's had really only the one good start against KC, which you expect. Other than that, even with that start, a six and a third two run gem, he has a 791. Even with that start, that tells you how bad the other three starts have been since he's come back. Six homers in 19 innings has been a big problem for Pablo Lopez. I got a pass here. He's going to be pretty low on my list when I go through the uh, the, the potential available two start guys. Uh, they have a three and three setup, you know. Just you're not you're not using many other guys anyway, and uh, nothing to really leverage platoon wise. I can't remember where I heard this, but this was from a a listener uh, or somebody on Twitter or somebody in my Twitch stream. But somebody pointed out to me after I'd recommended, I think it was like a Chase Anderson or Zach Davies in one of the streaming starter articles that they're not letting guys go more than five in. Milwaukee. It's a lot of four or five inning starts for the last like couple weeks. So even though they have two guys doing a two-step, Zach Davies and Gio Gonzalez both getting San Diego and Pittsburgh at home, you're not going to get much innings-wise. So if you are chasing wins here, this is not the right area to go to. They could give you some decent ERA. Both guys are pitching all right. 377 ERA for Davies, 401 for Gonzalez. A little bit more strikeout love for Gio than Davies. And, of course, even if they each only went, you know, 10 innings, they get five on both of them, you, you can get – like, it's not terrible, but they have to be a bit lower because of the way they're managing these guys uh, in 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 Milwaukee right now. So that's tough. They'll be kind of middling as far as my available two-star guys. They do have a seven-game setup with just one lefty. That's going to help Eric Thames and Trent Grisham. So start them where appropriate. Let's move out to Minnesota. They have Martin Perez and Kyle Gibson both getting two steps against the White Sox and KC. It doesn't get much better than that as far as a setup. They're both going to be very high. Um, they're not available in all leagues, but some of you deeper leagues or shallower leagues, I should say, 10-teamers, maybe Perez and some 12-teamers. I think Gibson has enough cachet with folks that he's actually uh, pretty well rostered, but I don't know. I, I'm, always check your wire, guys. I'll speculate on stuff sometimes, and then I'll go look and be like, damn, I'm glad I checked because that guy's available, and, and you just never know. And uh, Gibson hasn't been that great lately. Uh, but I still think, you know, 
that's that's why you have to check. He could easily be more available than I was thinking, uh, especially because he's been cutting grass like a champ lately. And I think when his grass cutting gets better is when his pitching falls off. They do have seven games with only one lefty. Garver kills lefties, but he's pretty strong against righties at a 923 LPS. So I really don't think that's going to affect him. They get the White Sox and KC. There's not much good pitching there. Let me see if they get Giolito. They do get Giolito and Raylo, who we know can be good, but you know, he's you never know what to expect from him. I think he has an over five ERA. So it's really only one good starter, Giolito, that you have to worry about. Otherwise, get all your twins in there. Let's see if there's any spec twins, uh, any platoon twins that you could get. Uh, in the lineup here, excuse me, I'm loading the roster resource. Luisa Rise, um, if you're chasing the batting average, that really helps. Not much else, though, because it's really a rise and scope that are getting platoon. Jake Cave gets helped by only the one lefty. So, yeah, Cave and a rise, where, where they're viable, you might want to start them. Although, Cave has been injured most of the week, so I... I don't even know if he's going to play. Stay tuned for news on him. Arise is the guy to take advantage here with six righties on the docket for Minnesota. Let's go to the Mets. They have Mats at Colorado at Cincy. That's pretty tough. Um, that's 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 a tough one. I don't know what his availability is. I mean, I, I'm actually going to check here while I'm doing this because I want to see if he's even. I didn't initially rank him because I don't know. I want to look real quickly here and uh, and see if he's even worth ranking because he might not be available enough i tend to like <clears throat> excuse me i tend to like mats so i think sometimes i overrate him a little bit in my mind of, in terms of how rostered he is and then i go check and i'm like oh no he's actually quite available at 55 percent and that's from fantasy pros which is a combination of yahoo and espn so that's a 55 percent in shallower leagues means you deeper in mid-tier leagues he's not really available for mats so i'm not going to rank him on the two star it is a tough one though i wouldn't necessarily start this that's two difficult venues um including the toughest one in colorado and cincinnati can hit i i would i would try not to start that if i could i'd look for reasons not to they do have an all righty slate six righties on the docket including a trip to coors it hurts D J.D. Davis a little, but he's still been strong against righties. That's why he's fostered his breakout here because he's been able to crush righties and he's going to Coors. So I'm reluctant to sit any of the any of the Mets that I've been starting with any regularity. Todd Frazier does have a 936 OPS against lefties, so not getting a single lefty is tough for him, and it could actually cut into his playing time, let alone his performance. In fact, J.D. Davis could be the beneficiary. Even though they are both righties, Davis is much better uh, although Davis has been playing a lot of left field and Frazier's still been starting. So if you're in a situation where you're starting Frazier anyway, if you're in that depth of a league, I'd at least want to start him for the front end of the week in Colorado. If it's an all or nothing, I say go for it because it means it's a deep league anyway. And I want to say that Frazier's been, been doing well lately. <clears throat> Who remembers the, uh, the solo cast I did years ago when Frazier was having... A monstrous season. Yeah, by the way, just to put the bow on that. Five homers and a 1549 OPS in the last two weeks. It was when he was with Cincinnati, and he was in the midst of just this brilliant season. It had to have been 14 or 15, 2014 and 2015, because those were his two excellent seasons. And it was like the first half, he was off the charts, and he was pacing to like a 40-20 season or some craziness. And I just like talked myself into Todd Frazier is a god. That was fun. I wish I, I, wish I could find that that solo cast easy and and go back and laugh at how enamored i became of him I, i've always liked todd frazier though good good 
good dude, solid player. Has definitely not been as uh, strong the last couple years, but uh, I do always root for him. Let's go out to the other New York. That's going to be the Yankees. Looks like Severino supposed to be back. In fact, he's inked in for Tuesday. Uh, I look at the Rotowire board. They have him bolded for Tuesday, so that's he's starting that. Uh, they have a three and three. Now it is set up nicely for you guys that have the split weeks. It's three lefties out front uh, on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then three righties on the weekend. So you can play that. In, in leagues where that's viable, like a Mike Ford type of deal. You might want to sit him. I'm trying to think if there's anybody else with that you would really do it with. Probably not. I mean, I know Brett Gardner's a lefty. I think he still plays against them. Maybe like a Clint Frazier you would start. Um, But yeah, I don't think there's a whole lot to play as far as that goes. But at least it does set up nicely for, for those of you with like a Mike Ford. <clears throat> Excuse me. Oakland only has six games, and they're running a six-man rotation right now. Roark, Anderson, Brett Anderson, Homer Bailey, Chris Bassett, Mike Fires, and Sean Manaya. So nobody gets a two-step. They do get KC and Texas uh, all at home. Good setup for their rotation or for their lineup, I should say. They do have uh, three and three. Yeah, so it's a split setup. Nothing to really take advantage of there, though, except that it is six home games and the teams aren't very good that they're facing. Let's go out to Philly. Jason Vargas goes to Atlanta and to Cleveland. That's tough. Those are two qual- uh, quality offenses. You got to be a little careful there. I would not want to start. Actually, excuse me, a change has happened since I did this last night. Or, since they do both start with a V, I might have just messed up because it's Velasquez now and not Vargas. And the fact that Vargas is starting on the 20th of, of September, which is Friday, leads me to believe that I just messed it up. Let me see when Vargas last started it. Let's laugh at Paul if he was way off like a dum-dum. So he started on the 10th. No, a Tuesday start usually. So he's going to have 10 days off. So they're pushing him way back. Actually, no. Is he starting Sunday? Yeah, he's probably starting Sunday, and that's why. Yeah, I probably just did it wrong. Either way, uh, Velasquez, it doesn't change much from Velasquez to uh, from Vargas to Velasquez, I should say. Um, Maybe a couple spots up in terms of where I would give Velasquez a shot, where I wouldn't give Vargas. Vargas has actually been better this year as far as uh, ratios go. Strikeouts are definitely going to go in – in Velasquez's favor. Let me see what Velasquez has been doing of late. Let me cl- let me quickly check that if you guys don't mind. Even if you do mind, best you can do is fast forward through the check because I'm doing it. It's happening right now. And oh man, he's so volatile, so dang volatile. All right, since the All Star break, we've got a 5.32 ERA from Velasquez. 50 strikeouts and 47 in a third though. If you need the if you need the punch outs. You could maybe do it, but man, that's two tough roadies. I think I would start the two Brewers over him, even with their innings cap and the fact that neither of them are particularly strong strikeout guys. They have a six-game setup with only one lefty. That might hurt Kingry a little, but uh, I'm still playing him. Adam Hazley uh, might get a little bit more playing time from it. Nothing to really platoon there. Pittsburgh has Mitch Keller going against Seattle and at Milwaukee. He's been so volatile. It really has been gem or dud. Virtually nothing in between. Now, he only has like eight starts, nine starts. 
and so just using game score as as a as a little shorthand here because it's easy. It starts at fifty, and you get credits for positive things, debits for negative things. So it starts at fifty. Anything over fifty-five was a pretty solid start. Once you get into the sixties and you know and beyond, it's pretty good. Anything below like a forty uh, is is pretty rough. Here are the game scores for Keller. 64, 58, 53, 51. And even the 51 had six strikeouts and it was only two earned runs in five innings. So even though the 51 doesn't sound good, that wasn't a bad start. So it's four solid starts. Actually, here's a weird one. September 3rd was the 58, but it was an inning and two-third perfect innings with three strikeouts. But then that was it. Was it a rain delay that he didn't come back from or an injury? I don't remember what happened there. But either way, so three good, one that was trending great against Miami and then got stunted. Then it's 36, 29, 28, 15, 15. Good or awful? Nothing in between for Keller. Can you stomach that volatility? Because the way it's setting up is that he'll beast on Seattle and get his face caved in at Milwaukee. Now, if you have the luxury of spot starting every day, then you can get Mitch Keller for the Tuesday start against Seattle and then get him far away from your team when they go to Milwaukee. That's the way to play it. If I have to take both, I don't think I'm doing it. I've got Keller pretty low on my potential spot starts, which I'll get into um, at the very end of this. Next up is San Diego. They have uh, Roland Bolaños. I want to see if I'm pronouncing that right. Ronald, not Roland. Excuse me. I didn't have the first name right. but And I don't know if it's Bolaños because there isn't the tilde over the end, so I don't know if it's Bolanos or not. But um, Ronald Bolanos, he has two starts so far. One was the debut was pretty good. Then the second one against the Cubs was a dud. He went to Arizona and did pretty well, though. You like that, but then beasted, beasted on by the Cubs. He's going to get, uh, let's see here. He's going to get a trip to Milwaukee and then hosting Arizona. That's a pretty tough slate. He's going to be pretty low. He's As, as you'll find out, he's going to be pretty low. And uh, I, I don't think, I, I don't know. I got to be 100% honest with you. I didn't know who this guy was coming into the year. I'm sorry, Ronald. I called you Roland to start. I, I did not know who he was. And, you know, just because I don't know who somebody is does. Oh, by the way, there is the tilde on our site. I was looking at a different site that didn't have the. So I bet it is Bolaños. But, uh, yeah, I didn't know who Bolaños was. He did make He did make the prospect list. He was 44th on the San Diego prospect list. And that's a deep list. So, you know. He he has it's a prospect of some note, uh, not a complete nothing as far as the prospect goes. In the minors, um, he jumped from Double A. He had a high A Double A season. He put up good skills at Double A. The ratios weren't that good: four twenty three, one thirty two. Skipped Triple A. Um, you might get a few strikeouts here. I I wouldn't want to do this. This would be desperation heave, NL only type of stuff. Oh, by the way, did I mention that Seattle? I don't think I mentioned their slate. They're six games, two against lefties. Oh, I didn't mention them because they're next. I'm an idiot. I mean Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh has six games, three and three. San Diego has seven games with two lefties. Fran- Ty France, Manuel Margot, and Hunter Renfro are a little hurt by that with five righties on the slate. So that's a tough one for them. Now going out to Seattle, Marco Gonzalez goes to Pittsburgh and to Baltimore. I like that. They have six games with two lefties on the slate. I don't know that you're starting many of their guys anyway. 
um, as far as hitters and the ones that you are, are probably, you know, kind of locked in. I'm trying to think who the heck you're even starting on that team. Let me even think about that for a moment. Who is, I'm going to pull up their roster. I guess Narvaez in two catcher leagues. You know, Kyle Lewis has been pretty interesting. The Kyle Seager is somebody you're starting and, um, the fact that they only have two lefties, that's nice. He's been hitting against everybody lately, it seems, though. Austin Nola, um, he has catcher eligibility, so you like that. D. Gordon, if you need the speed. But Kyle Lewis is somebody I want to mention. He's an interesting pickup. Um, I don't know if he was picked up in all the leagues this past weekend or if, or if the fact that he has three homers now in 11 plate appearances is going to make him a hot pickup this weekend. He's a big-time prospect. Injuries have really stunted him and uh, and kind of delayed his his path a bit. But this is this is a real one here. Um, there, there's some there's some massive upside. I had somebody in my chat uh, on Twitch uh, throw out a Jermaine Die comp, and the body type certainly fits, and the fact that we've seen this power uh, fits it as well. Like that's that's interesting. If you need some punch, I say go for Kyle Lewis, and uh, he's a righty, so he's going to only get two lefties. But I think he's starting every day right now. There's no reason that they wouldn't start him. Uh, he's only played three games, but he's already got three homers. You love that. So actually, yeah, if he came up on Tuesday, he couldn't have been a pickup this week in most leagues that that do weekly pickups. Uh, daily pickups, sure, but in weekly pickups, yeah, Kyle Lewis is somebody to look at this weekend, and I'd go for him for sure. Let's go out to San Francisco. The Shark goes to Boston and to Atlanta. That's a tough two-step for Jeff Samarja. He's been pretty good this year. He's bounced back and just been really solid. Um, you know, not not like winning your league or anything, but as cheap as he was, the fact that you've gotten 169 innings with a 372-112 ERA whip combo is damn good. I mean, 10 wins, 10 and 12, uh, but 10 wins on that team, that's not bad. He's been a little wobbly in September so far, 6-3 and 4 with his earned runs, but um five and a third, six, six and a third on the innings. Not too bad. Homers have been a little bit of an issue with two of those three at home. That's kind of a bummer. But uh, this two-step, excuse me, this two-step is difficult. And I don't love that. Let me see what his availability is. He's 51% at the uh, shallower uh, outlets, ESPN and Yahoo cater more to 10-team leagues. So there's going to be some availability. I, I did rank him um, I did rank him here. Just check your wire. Just make sure. I know a lot of you guys are in you know, super competitive leagues that are not going to leave somebody like a 370 ERA out on the wire. But I did rank him just because he was at 51%. I thought that that was reasonable enough. Uh, they have a six-game slate with three and three for San Francisco. Start the guys that you're normally starting, but you know you shouldn't be starting too many Giants anyway. San Francisco, or excuse me, uh, St. Louis has Dakota Hudson and Miles Michaelis getting Washington and at the Cubs. That's a difficult two-step. Dakota Hudson's somebody that when you watch him, it makes more sense why he's successful. Because if you only stat scout, you th- you think, well, how's this guy successful at all? But you know he induces that weak contact, keeps the ball down. Uh, there are things to like, but there's you know no real strikeout upside. So the only time you can actually count on any sort of strikeout potential even is in a two-step week like this. Um, but yeah, I mean he relies on on limiting massive contact and and keeping it on the ground i don't love this setup um michaelis i think is more of a guy that you kind of have to start um it, it 
It'd be nice to have the luxury to really bench a guy with a 428 ERA and a 121 whip. I don't think I'm there, so I, I'm going to start him for sure. With Hudson, I'm going to I'm going to be a little bit more cautious, and I'm going to try to not start him. He's going to be pretty middling on the uh, on the list of availables. They have a seven game slate with three lefties. I don't know that that plays too much into things. I think Tommy Edmonds kind of starting against everybody right now. Colton Wong is too. So um, I think they're even going to start against the lefties. And um, I don't think we're going to see too much platooning as far as those guys go. Edmonds a uh, switch hitter, by the way. I just want to point that out. Tampa Bay only has a five-game slate. Brendan McKay gets a two-step, but it's at the Dodgers and home to Boston. That is tough. I don't even know how many innings they're going to give him anyway. You might only get like eight innings out of a two-step. And then that puts a lot of uh, volatility on the ratios because, you know, three runs in one of them, and all of a sudden it doesn't look so good. Uh, you just kind of look at his last three outings. Now, he's had two since he's come back in September, and then the other would be August 19th, but it was nine innings in those three outings, and 10, 10 runs, six of them earned. But even the six earned means it's a six ERA. So... That's tough. Uh, I'm probably passing here. He's going to be really low. I still really like Brendan McKay long-term, but for this two-step here, it's not a good one. They do have five games, one lefty. Uh, by the way, Snell threw at AAA. I don't know if he's coming back next week, so that could even interrupt this two-step. Um, it's difficult opponents, so any of your coin flip rays, no, with the Dodgers in Boston. I mean, Boston's pitching is not great, but it's still Porcello, Price, and Ivaldi. They're not slugs. Uh, so, and, and then, of course, two against the Dodgers. They do get the two guys with the uh, with the opener follower setup, so Stripling, Maeda, and May Gonsolin. But it's the Dodgers, man. All their pitchers are good. So uh, be careful with your iffy A's. Texas, uh, they have five games. Nobody's getting a two-step. Probably wouldn't want, well, if it was minor or Lynn, you absolutely would. And maybe Allard in the right setup. But they're going to Houston and to Oakland. That's tough. Difficult opponents. Again, your your uh, your coin flip Rangers, you go for a no because of volume and difficulty. Toronto, they have Font as an opener getting two starts. Thornton could be mildly interesting as a follower. He It's at Baltimore and at the Yankees. Of course, at the Yankees is difficult. But with him as a follower... He's got a 402 ERA in his last 40 and a third innings with most of that out of the bullpen. His OPS the times through is 702, 878, 911. So if they give him three, four innings, you know, that might be enough. Well, obviously, if it goes four, that'd be getting into the second time around. But if he's cruising, they might give him a few extra the second time around. But if it's that one time through for Thornton, you might be able to steal three solid innings, uh, definitely against Baltimore, but even maybe against the Yankees. Thornton's an interesting deep play uh, for those of you looking just to get some quality innings, perhaps, and uh, don't have many options. They have a six-game setup with just one lefty. I think you're just playing the guys that you're normally playing. I don't think there's a lot to platoon there with Toronto. And finally, Washington, they have Strasburg and Corbin getting at St. Louis at Miami. You're starting them if one was at, you know, on the moon and the other was against the 1927 Yankees. You just you don't have a choice. You have to start those two monsters. Uh, they have six games, zero against lefties. That hurts Brian Dozier, who does have an 884 OPS against them. Uh, so there, that's the rundown. Ranking my 18 guys who are likely to be available for two starts in a lot of leagues, shallower and beyond. This the, the range vacillates. Like most guys, most of these guys are available in shallower leagues, and then it 
you know, depending on your league depth, these other guys will be available. But it's going to be John Means, Kyle Gibson, Martin Perez, Reynaldo Lopez, Zach Plesak, Marco Gonzalez, Jeff Samarja, Nathan Ivaldi, Dakota Hudson, and Dylan Bundy as the top 10. Then uh, Zach Davies, Gio Gonzalez, Vincent Velasquez, Ronald Bolaños, Brendan McKay, Pablo Lopez, Mitch Keller, and then I put Suarez, but don't start start Suarez in any in any case. In fact, I listed them one through seventeen, and then I literally put five thousand next to Suarez. He's five thousandth. So hopefully this helps. Good luck. I know you guys are chasing things down. I hope uh, I hope you know you get some information here that you can use, and you're bringing home those titles. Still got a couple more weeks. Keep grinding. Don't let football take all your attention. Make sure you're managing your leagues there. You put your money in your football. You don't want to waste. You don't want to waste it. But don't give up on these baseball teams. You've put five and a half months of hard work in. Don't let it slack in the last couple weeks and piss away that opportunity to at least cash, if not win your league. Take care and have a great week.